Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures with us. We're glad you joined us for another session of Scripture Searching and Bible Study. We've been looking at the amazing unity that exists in the Bible when we establish the key that unlocks the story of God's great drama, a drama which is unfolding on the earth and which will end with the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth and paradise restored. We've been saying that man was intended to be a ruler for God, God's vice-regent. That kingdom of God established in Adam and Eve at the beginning was dramatically disrupted when the devil intervened to cause man to cease listening to God carefully and obeying him and to follow the commands and the subtle lies of the devil. It is from that catastrophe that God has been working out a plan of restoration. He is going to send his own son back to this earth to supervise an era of unparalleled prosperity and peace. There will be no divorce, no murders, no child abuse, no wars, and poverty will be a thing long forgotten. That's what the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, means by the term kingdom of God. It is the national hope of Israel. And that hope Jesus did not abandon for one moment. How could he, Jew as he was, trained in the Hebrew Scriptures and believing himself to be the Messiah, that's to say the king of that promised ideal kingdom on the earth? The very last question the disciples asked Jesus just before he left, to go to the right hand of his father was this, Is this the time now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, has the time now arrived for all the hopes of the Old Testament prophets to be fulfilled? And Jesus did not rebuke them for having the wrong idea about the kingdom. Some commentators, tragically, have tried to convince us that the disciples had no understanding of the kingdom of God that is absolutely untrue. The disciples had preached the gospel of the kingdom of God under Jesus' personal supervision. They knew well what the kingdom of God was. Indeed, they had followed Jesus when he had initially announced his good news about the kingdom of God. They had responded. They had given up their businesses to follow Jesus for the cause of the kingdom. It is very wrong to say that Jesus' disciples, after all that teaching, at the feet of the master rabbi Jesus himself, had an erroneous idea about the kingdom of God when in Acts 1.6 they said, Is this now the time for you to restore the kingdom to Israel? That, of course, was the right question, the question that any disciple trained under Jesus' tutelage would have asked. Now, Jesus' response to that question was this, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which God has established by his own authority. Jesus did not say that the kingdom of God would not be restored to Israel. He could not have said such a thing without contradicting the very Bible that he claimed to be working out of. What he did tell the disciples was that they were going to be witnesses to that kingdom in the interim period between Jesus' departure to the right hand of the Father and his subsequent return to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. In Acts chapter 1 verse 5, Jesus promised a great outpouring of the Spirit on the church at Pentecost. 
Now, the disciples connected the coming of the Spirit with the coming of the kingdom, and so it was entirely natural for them to say, Surely then the time has now arrived for the kingdom to be restored to Israel, in Acts 1.6. Jesus now tells them in Acts 1.7 that they are going to be witnesses to the kingdom, that they are going to receive the Spirit, that we should note carefully that the coming of the kingdom is at a time unknown to the disciples, that the coming of the Spirit was to be in a very few days' time. From that we must conclude that the coming of the Spirit of God at Pentecost is not the same event as the coming of the kingdom of God. That's one of the great keys to understanding our Bibles correctly. The Spirit is the down payment, the pledge and the guarantee of the future kingdom. But the coming of the Spirit is not the coming of the kingdom itself. When the kingdom comes, as we saw in our last program, there will be extraordinary events in the Middle East. Let me remind you of that amazing event which will take place when God recovers his people from the area of the Middle East outside of Palestine. I want to read you from Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 11. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Those geographical areas then are the area we call Egypt and Iraq and the coastlands of the Mediterranean Sea. The prophet Isaiah goes on to say that there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant of his people who will be left just as there was for Israel in the day that they came up out of the land of Egypt. And so you see the exodus from Egypt was a rehearsal, so to speak, of a much greater exodus, a second exodus destined to happen in the Middle East just prior to the return of Jesus to set up his kingdom. That second exodus is referred to again in Isaiah chapter 61. We read there that instead of Israel's shame, they will have a double portion. Isaiah 61 verse 7. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. And the Greek translation of the Old Testament reads, they will inherit the land for a second time. The great inheritance of the future about which Jesus spoke so often refers to that event when God brings his people back into the promised land when all the promises made to Abraham and David find their final fulfillment. That's the hope of the coming kingdom. And that's why Jesus then promises to us as Christians, as well as to any of any nation who will follow Jesus now, that they are going to inherit the earth. Matthew 5, verse 5. Indeed, they are going to rule as kings upon the earth. Revelation 5, verse 10. Our Hebrew Bible, what we mistakenly really call the Old Testament, is filled with promises of the coming kingdom of God. As I was pointing out in our last program, the Jews traditionally comment on certain key verses by saying that the meaning is the kingdom of God will be revealed. Those verses form a kind of framework, a backbone 
around which we may assemble the kingdom of God idea in the Old Testament. The first of these is in Exodus 15, verse 18, where we read that the Lord will reign forever and ever, reminding us, of course, of Revelation 11, verse 15, where it says that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and He will reign forever and ever. And then in Isaiah chapter 24 and verse 23, we read of a time when the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed, because the Lord of hosts is going to reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. His glory will be before his elders. And the Jewish comment there appropriately is, the kingdom of God will be revealed. Again in Isaiah 31 verse 4, here we read of a time when the Lord of hosts comes down to wage war on Mount Zion and on its hill. And again, the Jewish commentaries tell us this is the time when the kingdom of God will be revealed. Later in Isaiah chapter 40, a most beautiful passage among the many describing the coming of the kingdom in the great book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 9. Here's what we read. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. You notice the words there, good news or gospel in Isaiah 40 verse 9. You notice that God is going to come and that he's going to rule. All of these terms suggest the kingdom of God. And once again, the ancient uh, commentary from the synagogue is this, the kingdom of God will be revealed. Now, the reason we're laying such stress on these texts is that they deal with Jesus' favorite topic, and then again in Isaiah 52, verse 7, a beautiful passage filled with gospel language. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news or gospel. Exactly the word we find for gospel in the New Testament. Who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. Who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. There, of course, is the idea of the kingdom of God being established. And then verse 8 goes on, Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. They shout joyfully with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. You see there the connection between the restoration of Israel and the kingdom of God. That's exactly why the disciples asked that question in Acts 1.6. Is this the time now, finally, for Isaiah 52 verse 8, to be fulfilled. Is this the time when the restoration of Israel is going to come? Acts 1, verse 6. And then Isaiah 52, verse 9 goes on, Break forth, shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem. We're talking here, of course, of Jerusalem on this earth. You waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. These are the passages which formed in Jesus' mind 
the idea of the coming kingdom of God, these mighty spiritual and yet also political events of the future are at the basis of Jesus' whole announcement of the kingdom. It is quite wrong to imagine that Jesus spoke only of a kingdom of God in your heart. That is the mistake that has confused the Bible so terribly in the minds of so many readers. The Bible is not just a, quote, spiritual book. It is indeed a spiritual book, but by spiritual it does not just mean abstract, invisible things in the heart. What is spiritual can also be political, tangible and concrete, external. It is very spiritual in the Bible to talk about a political revolution in Israel by which God will establish his kingdom by sending his son, the Messiah, to reign. And it's the kingdom of God gospel which invites the Christians to take part in that great reign of Christ with his saints on the earth. It is these great passages in the book of Isaiah about the coming kingdom which inspired Jesus' inaugural address in Luke chapter 4. He quoted from Isaiah 61 by saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the gospel to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners to announce the favorable year of the Lord. And Jesus did not add the next line, which speaks of the day of vengeance of our God, because his object was to invite people to repent and prepare for the great coming of the kingdom. We invite you to reflect on these great themes of Scripture. Join us again for our continuing discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the kingdom of God.